I want to introduce this whole idea of find your story in his story. And uh, to get this in our minds, I, I just want us to, to know this phrase and remember it. So uh, I'm just going to say, find your story. And then you need to say, in his story. All right? So find your story. Try it one more time. Find your story. Very good. Now, when I'm talking a little later, I'm going to be saying that phrase, and then you got your part in his story, okay? And uh, to introduce this, I have a, a, a few clips from my favorite movie, uh, Stranger Than Fiction, um, about this idea. Uh, Dorothy Sayer was an author and a Christian who uh, talked about how some people try to understand and grasp God coming down into life as we know it. And they would try to illustrate it and say, well, it's kind of like he's on the fourth floor of the building and he came down to the third floor. And, and she was like, no, it's not like that at all. Uh, it's more like Shakespeare writing his story and falling in love with the characters in his story, so he writes himself into the story. It's like, uh, like G.K. Chesterton said, it's like uh, the bird who made the nest being hatched within it. That's about the kind of connection and meeting point with God that we want to talk about today and the opportunity that you have to meet God, the God who wants to be met by you. And uh, we'll look at that in Acts 17. But first, I want to introduce this concept with this movie. And, and again, if you remember the phrase, stranger than fiction, it's leaving off a word at the beginning. There's a phrase that we use, the truth is stranger than fiction. And I really believe that this story, uh, this fictitious movie, uh, points to a great truth about a great story about a, an author of life, an author of, of our salvation, who wants to meet us. When you watch it, you'll realize that uh, it, it has a truth that points, uh, or it reflects the truth, that there is an author of life and an author of our faith who's writing a story and he's invited us into it at a certain point. And that point of connection, of course, is, is where we, we come and, and meet our death. It's the day that we're crucified with Christ. It's the day that we meet him at the cross. That is our entry point into the story. And, and though there might be some pre-writing uh, uh, leading up to that, some foreshadowing before we come to that place, uh, God is arranging circumstances and places. So uh, let me just, uh, right here, I just want to say that in this most special, inspired book called the Bible, God's story is revealed. And, and he is the star of the story. You're not. I'm not. We are not the, the stars of this story. God is. And it's about him. It's about what he has done, what he's doing, and what he will do. It's a big story, and it reveals so much about himself. And though he's the main character and he's the hero of this true story, there are some other minor characters, some supporting cast in this story that he interacts with. And, and I want to zoom in on one of those characters, um, and that character is uh, Paul. And there's a moment when uh, he is talking to some people in, in the city of Athens, uh, a city that's very much like our city, uh, a city of many gods and uh, people who worship many gods. And, and he was uh, talking with them and uh, telling these very spiritual people um, about the creator God, the originator of the story. And, the and, and as he tells the people of Athens uh, this, they, he tells them that, hey, I understand you worship many gods, but there is one God 
that you really should pay attention to. And here are the words from Paul in the middle of his conversation as he's talking about this. And it's the two verses that I'd really like you to hear. And it says this, From one man he made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he determined the times set for them and the exact places where they should live. God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. All right. So right here, just in these two verses, we understand that, that there is a, the scene for God's story is set here on earth. And we hear that through his making, we are now involved in his story in some way. And, and here's the big idea today. And your story, however minor it may be, is found in the big story of God. And the challenge for you today is to find your story in his story. We'll try that one more time. To find your story in All right. Think with me a little bit here about our smaller story found within the great story of God. In those two very big sentences in Acts 17 from Paul, hear what God's actions are and then see what the possibility of our actions can be. God has made and God has determined. Those are the two big things he has done. Here, here, he gives us three things that we can do. We can seek, we can reach, and we can find. Now, God has not only made all humans from one man, but he has determined the times and exact places where they should live. I mean, have you ever wondered about God's choice in putting you in the family that you were put in and where you grew up? I mean... I know some of us are, are frustrated about that. I mean, we, we had father issues, mother issues, issues with siblings, issues with neighbors, or, or things that happened in our lives that were painful because of that family that we were put in. But God did that to shape you in a certain way, didn't he? And, and according to these scriptures, he says he, he did that so that you would reach out, perhaps, to seek, reach, and find him. But, I, I mean, beyond maybe your individual story there, I mean, and, 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 and the setting that you were put in from the beginning. I mean, have you ever thought on a bigger scale, why were you born in the most prosperous nation on earth instead of being born in Niger or Miramar, some of the poorest nations on earth? Why were you put here? Why were you given the resources that you were given at, at your disposal? Why did you receive the education that you received? Why were these things allowed for you? Why was this the setting and the scene for your story? It's a good question. You know, but you had no control and no choice in that matter, did you? I mean, God set the scene and the characters that were surrounding your parents, your siblings, your neighbors, and there are all kinds of side stories and, and, uh, that, that ignite from God simply making you and determining the time and places for you. And you can start feeling really small and powerless in the shadow of our God who's omnipotent, who's omniscient and omnipresent. And you can read a phrase from Psalm 139, and you can have two different responses to it, a song, uh, where it says, all the days ordained for us were written in his book before one of them came to be. Now, you can either take a lot of comfort in that, or you can feel really out of control. We all know that there's a certain part of our fate that we can't determine ourselves. 
as far as it comes to when will our last breath will be. But how much is God really determined or predetermined in this story of ours? Well, it's, it's, it's interesting to think, think about. Again, a God who, who's outside of time, who uh, can see past, present, and future. Are you going to blame him because he knows what's going to happen? Are you going to be mad because he's, he's the author and the originator? Can he stop himself from knowing everything? He can't stop being God. But maybe we can understand a little more of what he's doing and why he set the scene like he has. Look at those verses again and hear what our possibilities are in this story that we find ourselves in. Why did God make us and determine the times and places for us? It says that we might possibly seek him, that we might perhaps reach out for him, and that we might possibly find him, though he is not far from each one of us, which I love that part. No matter where you are set, no matter the setting of your scene in the story, God is and was and will be not far from you. The choices that you've been given in this story are to seek, to reach out, and to find. And those choices can alter the whole course of your part in the story. It can change everything. See, everything changes for those who seek, reach, and find the author and the originator. Find your story in his story. In God's great story, the Old Testament is, is kind of like Act 1. And it's where a perfect kingdom uh, perishes. And, and that villain, that serpent-like Satan, wreaks havoc among a fallen people and a fallen kingdom. But the Creator promises a coming king, the serpent crusher. And he begins forming a special people among all the people on earth from whom the serpent crusher will come and will be born. In Act 2, uh, which is, is, is kind of like the New Testament, the, the serpent crusher is born. And the surprise is that God's son is, is the serpent crusher. That he's born of spirit and flesh, fully man, fully God, coming to bring his people back and restore his kingdom. And the climax is reached when the serpent crusher, out of love for the father, lays down his life and is murdered on a cross. And it seems at that moment, like it all is lost, that, that God's plan has failed. But then three days later, the serpent crusher, Jesus, raises from the dead, conquering death and Satan's power. Jesus sends his followers out to spread the news that he's alive and invite everyone to the celebration feast of his coming kingdom. The serpent crusher ascends to his throne in heaven while his spirit-empowered followers encourage others to put their faith in Jesus and the coming of his kingdom to earth. God's story is grand. God's story is big, and it's much more elaborate than what I just shared with you there. But remember, you've been invited into the story. Seek him. Reach out for him and find him. Find your story in his story. <coughs> so how does his story involve you? Well, listen to this letter uh, that's written to the people of Ephesus. It's found in the Bible. Long before he laid down earth's foundations, he had us in mind, had settled on us as the focus of his love, to be made whole and holy by his love. Long, long ago, he decided to adopt us, to adopt you, to adopt me, 
into his family through Jesus Christ and what pleasure he took in planning this. He wanted us, you and me, to enter into the celebration of his lavish gift giving by the hand of his beloved son. The originator, the author, before he even wrote one day to be, had in mind, had, had this grand story in his mind, had you in mind. You've been invited into this story, and not just invited, but there's a way to be adopted into his kingdom family. You know, maybe hearing all this is, is a little bit confusing, and maybe you just need to find your bearings. I mean, have you ever walked into a movie late? You know, the story has already begun, and you're scratching your head going, okay, now who's this character, and who's this person here, and where are we, what's happened before? I, I'm not sure, but I'm seeing this action on the screen right now, and so you're really trying to find your bearings. And I know that maybe coming midstream into the story, which all of us have, there's a lot of God's story that's already happened in history to the point of 2011 or whenever you entered into the story. And so there's a lot that's happened. So there is a lot of figuring out, trying to figure out where you're at in this story. But there is a way of doing that and figuring out and how to catch up. You see, every story has a scene and a setting, action and a plot. A story has main characters. It has side characters, heroes, heroines, and villains. In a stage play, there's the first act, and then there's the second act. And in the first act, we're, we're introduced to all the characters and their lives as usual. This is life as normal. Then some sort of conflict is introduced, and the main character faces that conflict, and they have to make a choice. The first act ends with that conflict bringing everything to the brink, and, and all that is normal and balanced is about to fall apart. And the question is, what will the main character do? If he doesn't do something, everything is going to fall apart. And then in the second act, we see what the character chooses to do and the reactions to that main character's uh, choice and action. And by the end of the second act, we have the resolution to the story. In Shakespeare's time, there was always death or marriages at the end of his plays. If it were death, it was a tragedy full of sadness. If it, if it were marriages at the end, it was a comedy, and there were lots of laughs along the way. But it was a great love or a great danger. Usually one of these two will be in a story. A great love is introduced or a grave danger that threatens the existence of the characters as the characters know it. Many times a death of some sort occurs, whether it was a comedy or tragedy. The actual death of a person or the death of something, like the death of a dream, the death of a plan, the death of a hope. These are the things that, that usually bring conflict to the main characters. And it's through these things that a character changes or goes through a metamorphosis. The character started weak, but through the conflict, they become strong. The character started cold-hearted, but through the conflict, becomes warm-hearted and alive to the world. You know, there have been lots of variations on, on stories from this main outline of of, of a story that I've given you. But when authors vary or stray from this main idea of, of a story, we're usually unsatisfied with the story. You know, if the author brings no conflict, there's, there's no love, no death or, or grave danger, the story is boring. 
We don't, we don't want to watch it. We don't want to listen to it. If the author brings no transformation of the characters, we don't like the characters and we're unsatisfied with the story. Even though it had great action, we're just like, yeah, I'm not sure why I didn't like that. But it's because no one changed. If, if the characters don't choose to respond to the conflict, we're frustrated. If there isn't an ending where there is justice served or love won or a grave danger averted, we may be shocked but not satisfied. And authors purposely vary and, and make changes to this main outline of story to get these effects on you and me. Some of you have uh, watched the, the great uh, series uh, from the 90s, uh, Seinfeld story about nothing. <laughs> There's nothing really, that the, the characters never change. There's really no uh, action uh, or that, that leads to a great change or conflict. It's just stupid things. And, and, and really, it's a dark humor. It's a dark humor, and it, it's really sad <laughs> if you come to think about it. We, we laugh at it because it's, it's not real. It's fictitious. But if you're really living that life, it kind of be a sad story. Just always staying the same. Nothing interesting ever happening in your life except for these meaningless little instances where you try to make a mountain out of a molehill. Uh, some of you, uh, like The Office, uh, a show that's been on uh, in, in the past decade, and, and uh, I love The Office. I love the characters on the show, but you realize that none of the characters change. None of the characters change on the show except for... Uh, Jim and Pam. And so everything is, is kind of centered around them, and, and they're the characters that you love the most, aren't they? The other characters are the ones that you make fun of and go, oh, man, there's somebody at my office or at my workplace that's like that. Yeah. And, and you laugh about it. But we like the characters who change and transform. Well, we don't, when we see a, a good story or we hear a good story, we, we don't always know why it's good we, we just know that it's good. And, and those are some of the things behind the scenes that make a great story. But the story of God is a good story, and it's a true story. It's about a great love for the people of his creation and the grave danger we're in because of our fallen sinfulness and the rebellion against God and his kingdom. The sun, the serpent crusher, comes, taking on a great transformation, leaving heaven and taking on the appearance of man here on earth, fully man, fully God. And then out of a great love for the Father and seeing the joy before him of us being united back to the Father, Jesus faced the greatest conflict and overcame it at the cross and the tomb. Every minor story, every side story after this great story imitates and mirrors parts of the story of God. We haven't even have a genre of movies today and stories called redemption stories that reflect the story and the redemption of the great redemption story found in the story of God. When we put our trust in Jesus that he lived the life that we should have lived and he died the death that we should have died, we become reunited with the Father and his kingdom. We enter into salvation and enter into the great story. So... And the question is, and, and, and it's an okay question to ask, so what? So what about all that, Shannon? Well, if you are a character in the great story, how is your part of the story reading? Is your life a boring story to read? Would your life be a good movie to watch right now? 
He worked for 15 years and finally got that shiny BMW he always wanted. The end. I mean, what kind of story is that? I mean, where's the conflict? Where's the great love? Where's the grave danger? Is there a death of anything? Have you changed in any way? Has there been any transformation in your life? Are you in the endless cycle of being a character in a silly show that just never changes? You're just the same day in and day out. You know, maybe some of you are in the midst of a conflict right now, but it's hard to see the big picture of the story you're in, so you're not really choosing to live like a hero or a heroine would choose. In fact, you're kind of whining and kind of wondering why there is conflict in your life, why there's troubles with love, the, the dying of dreams. I mean, don't you realize that you're in the midst of your story and this is the point where your choices matter the most? Will you make the choices of a hero or will you surrender and remain unchanged? Life as it was, life as usual. You have a choice. You see, this is the part of your story where it bumps into the story of God. You know, is your life a boring movie to watch? And everything an endless unchanging cycle seek God he's not far from you are you in the midst of a great conflict the death of your dreams or facing trouble that endangers the direction of your life reach out to God he is not far from you do you feel like this could end up being a tragedy being swept up into events and circumstances beyond your control find God he is not far from you. This is your moment. Seek. Reach out to God and find Him. He is not far from you in your story. This is your time. You know, some of you want to live a great story. I know it. I see it on you. Some of you want to, but you're not sure how to practically do that. How do I pursue living a great life, a great story? Some of you have already united your lives with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You could point back to that day that you were crucified with Christ. And you can say, I remember the day I was crucified. And, and now it's just a matter of pressing on. It's a matter of living out the second act and, and, and finishing the, through the conflict and having a great resolution, a great ending to your story. Press on. Finish. Make it a great second act. For those of you who are kind of scratching your heads going, I'm not sure where to start with that. How do, I, how do I live a great story? Let me tell you how you can find your story in his story. Just remember these three words that are found in Acts 17. Seek, reach, find. Start with seeking Jesus with all your heart. Start there. Jeremiah 29, 13. God says you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. It will take everything, not just part. This isn't a half-hearted kind of thing to do. So, I mean, if, if you've been in the endless cycle of unchanging days and everything's the same, this is going to be difficult because it's going to take your heart, all of it. Now, if you're in a great conflict, it, it might be a, a little easier because you're, you're desperate. <laughs> You, you know you need help, and so you're eager. You're ready to seek God. But seek Him. Seek Him. Maybe if, if you're not in the desperate situ situation, 
seeking may be like the wise men. You know, we just talked about them with Christmas and all, and the kids came up here and told the story. They memorized parts of Luke uh, chapter 2 and Matthew, and, and one of the characters in, the, in that part of, of the serpent crusher, the great king coming to earth and being born in a manger, is, is that there were some wise men that found out about him, and they sought him out. And they came. What did they come and do? They worshiped him, and they offered him gifts. You need to take on the attitude of those wise men. You need to do whatever it takes to seek him, to find him, be willing to go any distance like they did to express their love and worship. You know, the wise men, they studied stars. I don't understand all of that, and, and, but I know during those times that there was a belief that when a new star appeared that there was a king, a king being born somewhere. And, and obviously that, that belief was there, and uh, they'd also studied the prophecies uh, probably from, from the Old Testament scriptures, uh, from, from the Jewish people. And with those two things, they came to seek Jesus. Well, what is it, what is it that you study? I, I don't suggest studying the stars. That would probably be a bad idea. Um, but I encourage you to open up the Word of God. Open up the scriptures daily and let those scriptures study you. Let the scriptures question your heart. Seeking starts with your heart and where you focus your love, seek him. Those of you who are already doing that, I encourage you to grow in your worship of him. How can you worship him with more of your heart, more full-hearted? And if you feel like, man, I'm, I'm trying to worship and love him with all my heart, all that I know how, then pray the prayer that David prayed and say, God, enlarge my heart. Enlarge my heart. So I might have a greater capacity to love you even more. Seek him. Second, second word was reach. Start with reaching out to Jesus. How do you do that? By imitating his ways and become loyal to Jesus in his ways. You know what? There's a lot of people that admire Jesus. They admire the life he lived. It's very ascetic, poetic, beautiful. And he said poetic, beautiful things. They love his teachings. They admire his teachings. But they don't do. They don't imitate. If you want change... If you want your story to change, I challenge you. I challenge you to just find one thing that Jesus commanded and go and do it. Jesus gave the same challenge to the Jewish people that were following him. He said, you want to find out if what I'm saying is from God? Do it. Obey my commands and you will find out whether they are from God. And I challenge you, if your story is boring, if your story, if you're frustrated with conflict and you're not figuring out the way out, I challenge you, find one of his commands. Obey it. Do it. You'll find out whether it's from God. Remain loyal to Jesus. Imitate him. You know, the greatest thing that he showed with his life was that he was other-focused. He wasn't focused on himself. He did not live for himself, but he lived for others. We are commanded to do the same and live not for ourselves, but to live for him. 2 Corinthians 5.15. There's one place to start. Do something for somebody else. And do it with the heart of, Lord Jesus, I'm doing this as an act of reaching out to you. An act of my loyalty to you. Lord, please change my story. I want to live well. Third, third word that's in that verse in Acts 17. Start with finding Finding Jesus, by finding friendship with him 
and extending that friendship with those around us. Salvation is found in no one else but in Jesus Christ. Finding Jesus is friendship with God because he makes peace between us and God and restores us to a relationship with the Father. Jesus, when he was talking with his disciples in John 15, he said that, that I no longer call you servants. I call you friends because everything I've, re- I've learned from the Father, I've revealed to you. That's what Jesus is offering to you. He's offering that kind of relationship with him. When you find that kind of friendship with Jesus, the response, the natural response that wells up within you is to turn around and offer that vital friendship to others. You know, when Jesus did it, when he extended his friendship, you know how it usually started? It was at a dinner party. You know, he he was often accused of being a a glutton and a drunkard because he ate a lot and he drank. And and, because he was always at these parties, at dinner parties with sinners. And so there was that little phrase that got attached to him. You know, uh, easy way to start. It's it's still the same today in our culture. Even 2,000 years later, you invite somebody over to your house for a meal, that is an invitation to friendship. It's very different than having a meeting at work or even, even, I mean, it's like, you know, it, it does slightly change things when you meet someone at a restaurant. But when you invite someone into your home, I mean, that's really saying, I, I want to get to know you and I want you to get to know me. It's an invitation to friendship. And I, I challenge you, challenge you to do it. As an act of saying, Lord Jesus, I want to grow in my friendship to you. And so in, in order to do that, I want to extend friendship to others. And I believe that through, through this, we're going to grow closer together, Jesus. We're going to grow in our friendship. Well, I know that for each of us, we can start, we can start somewhere with one of those three things. Uh, I, I have a special gift for you guys. It, um, it's from the church, not just me, but um, during this next year as we, as we talk more about finding your story and his story, um, I know for some of us, it's, it's trying to figure out the story of God and how all the different parts fit together. And so we're going to be taking time this year to, to help you see the thread, the, the storyline from Genesis to Revelation. And we're going to be doing that this winter and spring. Uh, taking you through the story of God. And as you do that, um, you know, there's going to be some moments maybe where there's some things that really stand out to you. And, and so I would like to give you these little scout books. Um, we just had printed on the front, find your story. And, and uh, every now and then on a Sunday, we'll, we'll have maybe, uh, you know, a quote or, or, some, or maybe there's a verse. And they're blank pages, and you can just write down something. Uh, and every once in a while, we'll have a, a little sticker. It's like an adult sticker book. You can take one of these stickers that will have a, a quote. And today, it's, it's Acts 17, 27 on the sticker. And you can take it and put it on there. But um, if, you would, if you would use one of these, I'd like to give one to you. And, and also kind of as a sign and a symbol of saying, yeah, I want to I be on this quest of finding my story in his story. And for those of you who are already 
connected to the Father and connected to, to his story as, as, a, as a way of saying, I, I reaffirm that. I reaffirm that quest, and I want to continue living well. And I, I want to live a great story. And Jesus, I want to invite you in on showing me how to live a great story. And if that's the case, I'd, I'd love for you to take one of these two. I, and I, I think we have enough for every adult and, and every kid here. So um, right now, uh, we're going to sing and we're going to conclude our, our worship. We're going to share in communion. Um, and, uh, but before we do that, there's just a, a song, a time where we can kind of respond to this and say, yes, I'm, I want to start this quest of finding my story in a story. And uh, if that's the case, you can come up here and grab one of these books. You can take one of the stickers if you like and put it in there. And uh, also remember, I have some of these reading plans. They're down here. Um, if you're wanting, again, get to know the story of God, uh, it's a place to start. And I also want to tell you that one of the reasons that, that I succeeded in developing a habit of reading God's Word daily uh, was that I did it with other people. Um, and I would, sh- I would meet with these people once a week, and I would share what my favorite day was of what I read. It was real simple. Um, but that, that was probably the difference uh, uh, for me. Um, so I encourage you, um, you know, we got gel groups, people that would be those kind of people that you could share with. Uh, who would encourage you in, in discovering more of God's story. So um, there's ways. There's a, ways, a, way, to do, a way to do it. Um, and it's just up to you if that's what you want to do. And again, remember, failure isn't fatal. And that uh, it's okay. It's okay to stop and start again. All right? Let's, let's go ahead and stand together. And we're going to sing.